I am vengeance. I am the night. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 Oh! It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about? If you have time, I can tell you that it is a podcast about Batman and a Batman podcast. Uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show! Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> I am a Welcome to Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Michael, and you're listening to an interview variety show for your ears based on the legendary 1990s cartoon, Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor, Easter Island Heads, perfect for the supervillain team-up looking for a unique and thematic way to crush your foe. Easter Island Heads, just make sure the Batman you're trying to crush isn't actually Superman. And the fundraising continues. Thank you so much for continuing to donate, big or small, to all the organizations that the podcast is supporting that strive to fight racial injustice. If you haven't, please consider donating at btaspodcast.com slash donate. I will also have a link in the show notes. And if this is your first time listening or hearing about the fundraiser, know that I'm matching the first $200 for each of the eight organizations, and my friend and guest Jeff Trammell is doing the same, which is very cool. It means that your donation to any of these organizations right now now or evenly split is automatically tripled so everybody wins today's charity until we are all free until we are all free is a racial justice initiative rooted in arts and culture together black migrant refugee undocumented indigenous queer and transgender communities are building solidarity by tapping into the power of art and culture to envision and to build a world defined by dignity and self-determination for all of us until we are all free disrupts the criminal law and immigration systems that overwhelmingly treat people as criminals lock them up and deport them until we are all free is an unprecedented initiative of culture strike and mobilize the immigrant vote in partnership with black alliance for just immigration I love everything that I've read about these guys. Hector brought them to the podcast, and I would be so excited if you guys are down to donate. So again, btas.com slash donate. You will be matched times three. So that's, uh, you know, $1 becomes three, 100 becomes 300. You get how math works. Donate. Today's episode, Nighttime. That's right. It's our very first Superman the Animated Series crossover episode. And boy, is it a fun one. Superman plays dress-up and disguises himself as Batman as he teams up with Robin to confront a host of Gotham rogues who are picking the city clean in lieu of the real Batman's mysterious absence. Original air date, October 10th, 1998. Written by Bob Goodman, who's appeared on the podcast a couple times, directed by Kurt Gaeta, music by Michael McQuiston, who's also appeared on the podcast a couple times, with animation by Coco Dong Yang. Starring Tim Daly as Superman, Kevin Conroy as Batman, Matthew Valencia as Robin, Roddy McDowell as the Mad Hatter, John Glover as the Riddler, Paul Williams as Penguin, Henry Silva as Bane, Bob Hastings as Commissioner Gordon, Charity James as Roxy Rocket, and Corey Burton as Brainiac. Whew, what a character lineup. Today's guest, Hector Navarro. Hector's another returning guest to the podcast and one of my all-time favorite people to chat about, well, I guess anything with. 
You know him as the host of the DC Daily from the El Rey Nation, Hyper Heroes, and his very own 500 Greatest Films podcast. He's a great dude who brings enthusiasm and constructive criticism to all things superhero. I truly am always excited to hear what his opinion is on something, and it's just a treat to talk with him about Batman, Superman, and everything in between in this episode. So please, enjoy. Without further ado, let's get to that interview. All right. Well, here we are. We're back. Another Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm here with Hector Navarro, returning guest. It's been years. It's been years. Justin, Michael, thank you so much for having me back. Uh, I, I, I am so, so honored to be invited back. One of my favorite things I've done in LA is uh, get to be a guest on your podcast. All those years ago, we had a great time talking about Dick Grayson Robin. We were talking with Lauren Lester about it. It was an amazing day and I'll never forget it. So thank you. Oh man, thanks for doing it. It was it was a real treat. You were there in the early stages of the pod. Yeah. Um, and so now that we're doing these fundraiser episodes, I kind of was like, well, let's open this up. If you if you want to do a non-Batman, pick one. And so I left it up to you, and you chose one of my favorite crossovers. Oh, oh. nighttime, a Superman the animated series episode. I sure did. I am so glad you opened it up. I love Batman, the animated series. And I also love the larger DC animated universe as it's been, you know, called. And um, I'm really glad you liked this episode too. I was kind of worried when I pitched it to you because you gave me some other examples and I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to be not one of his favorites. I don't think this is a controversial episode at all. I, I like, I think it's pretty well liked. Yeah. As far as I know, but um, it's just such a good there's so much to talk about and there's so many reasons why I love it, but I am, I was so happy when you were like, it's one of my favorites. So that's great. <laughs> it really is. It's uh, I mean, I love a crossover, so already I'm set, <laughs> yep. but also the conceit of the episode is really funny, but it's not, I mean, it's like more of a lighthearted episode, but it's not a pure comedy in the way of like, I guess like Joker's millions or something like right. that, which I also like. Uh, but this feels like a, a fun excuse to see Superman play dress up, but it actually works. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And it, like you said, it actually works. And I also just randomly, before you even reached out to me about a week or two ago, I rewatched a bunch of episodes of Batman, the Brave and the Bold, which is another oh. show that I love. I think it's so great and it's a completely different tone, but I love it. And there is a pivotal episode in the third season where the team up, right? Because the conceit of that show is that every episode, Batman has a different team up with a different DC character, some well-known, some obscure. Uh, in the third season, they waited until season three, Superman finally appears. And there is a team up slash fight because he gets affected by red kryptonite, right? Because that's the only way <laughs> Superman would, would turn bad. But he, he like the, the Diedrich Bader Batman has to deal with him. And at the end, they solve the problem. They find that it's Lex Luthor. And then they still do a costume change. They swap to mess with Lex Luthor because they bust in and Lex Luthor hits Batman or what he thinks is Batman with some sort of array that would take out a mortal. And then he hits, he throws some kryptonite over to Superman and Superman grabs it and it's fine because it's not actually Superman. It's Batman in disguise. And they both lift like rubber masks, you know, and then Batman still has his cowl underneath a rubber, like a, like a Superman head. And then Superman lifts the Batman mask and it's Clark Kent under there. And that's why the thing didn't affect him. And it's so funny and so classic Silver Age. And what I love about Nighttime is that 
it's just like you said, it's a lighter episode, but it still feels true to the world and the characters, mm-hmm. especially bringing in the villain being Brainiac and having like nanotechnology. I'm like, sure, great. This is amazing. And I think the main reason I love this episode, if I could try to sum it up, is because it's a beautiful example of how the characters of Batman and Superman are different. And the show is not saying one is better than the other. You know what I mean? The show is using Bruce Wayne, who we'll get to later, but Robin, Tim Drake, and the Batcave, and Roxy Rocket, and the world of Batman, Commissioner Gordon, everybody, as guest stars to bring in and contrast with what Superman does and how he is as a person and as, as a character. And it's funny, but at the end of the episode, you really can go, huh, that's what makes Batman Batman. That's what makes Superman Superman. The show is not saying, even though it's an episode of Superman, the animated series, that like soups is better. The show is not saying Batman is better. It's just this wonderful explanation of how they're different and how they're the same, that they're both two dudes just really trying to help people and help the world. And so as a DC fan and as a Superman and Batman fan, like, I, I love it so much, Justin. It's so great. Yeah, I agree. Everything you said. One of the things that struck me this time, you know, because this is one that I'll revisit uh, just because it's a fave. Uh, it's like a real like, ah, what an easy watch. And yeah. it's also like a one parter that feels like it could be two parts, but it, it kind of does it all in, in enough time. Yeah. Uh, the contrast between, well, at first I was like, oh, it struck me that it's like Superman finally gets to be a detective. And then I was like, well, no, Clark already is that he's an right. reporter and so the right. fact that like you have these two contrasting people where they both kind of do the same thing but they have different methods both as superheroes and as like you know uh, investigators or detectives i, I mm-hmm. think it's just such a fun way of playing with things uh yeah because you know at least not that it needs a justification i mean i think it's a, a silly premise that like has the bare minimum justification for happening yes. Yes. but they they go about it in such a fun way where it's like yeah i believe it he, he would track things down well enough because he's clark kent yep. and you know sure he can modulate his voice using you know <laughs> so good that's another great thing i love is that superman one of my okay a thing i don't love about superman is that he has been given all of these zany powers at different points in his career like zany where it's like he has the power of, uh, uh, like in Superman 2, a super kiss where he can kiss Lois Lane and she loses her memory. Stuff like that where you're like, what? That seems really outrageous. That seems really crazy. And it's in this episode and it's so fun when you've seen the episode and then you rewatch it because you know when you hear Kevin Conroy for the first time, you're like, that's not supposed to be Bruce Wayne. That's supposed to be Superman mimicking his voice to be Kevin Conroy. And then he does it to Robin. Uh, which is so hilarious, precise muscle control as Bruce Wayne. And then he goes, plus I have a pretty good ear. And Robin's like, please, please stop doing that. Don't do that. And that's a classic like silver age, outrageous Superman power. And yet it works in this. It's fine. It's fine. And it doesn't make Superman seem goofy or, or unbelievable. It seems like, sure, maybe that's some Kryptonian thing, or maybe that's, you know, whatever. I mean, he gets away with it, but also he kind of doesn't because when he goes in disguise as Batman, on the rooftop of Gotham City when he flies away and he's probably flying away and not actually using a grappling hook like like the cop next to Commissioner Gordon's like does he look bigger to you so like he can't quite get it get get away with it you know which I think is great it's so great but back to your point like 
I loved seeing Clark Kent in the Batcave, being a detective, doing his thing. And the thing that helped him was Robin, and this is another great Tim Drake episode, a great Robin episode. Um, he helps Superman by, by giving him some vital information, like actually this thing. And then from there, they're able to put their heads together and then solve it. So it, you're right. It's really fun to see Clark be an investigative reporter, still have those moments where another favorite moment of mine in the episode is where he says, you know, this, uh, this sneaking around isn't really my style. And then Robin goes, what do you mean? It's half the fun. Like, it, again, that just shows you like, that's what's so great about Superman is that he doesn't sneak around. He doesn't have to sneak around. It's just more in your face. It's exciting. And then Robin summing it up going, but that's what's so cool about being Batman and Robin is we get to sneak around and be ninjas. Yes. And it's, it, there's, I just have so many highlights from this episode. It's fantastic. I think, I think my absolute favorite moment though, my absolute favorite moment, it's this little bit of comedy. They're on the rooftop. You know, Superman in disguise is telling Robin, the sooner we get to the bottom of this and like we can get your boss back, the sooner, you know, the city will be safe, like everything will be back to normal. And he's digging around in his utility belt. And Robin just says, right side. And then he has to move to the right side to grab the grappling hook and then they go. That's my favorite <laughs> moment from the entire episode, right side. Because you actually get to go into some of the logistics of being Batman and Robin. Robin had to explain to Superman how to be Batman. It's like, I need this doohickey you have. It's in your left, it's in your right, you know, it's in your left pocket, second from the right, whatever. And that's a cool little behind the scenes that we don't normally get to see in BTAS or, or, you know, any of the other DC shows involving these versions of the characters. You don't get to see, we never got a Batman Begins in this world. We never got, you know, Bruce Wayne, unless it's some flashbacks that go into it. Of, of these characters building their tools, how to use their tools, how to be Batman and Robin. So that's also fun too. But I God, just love that so much, Justin. Right side. Oh, okay. Absolutely. I feel like the comedy in this episode works so well because it's earned character comedy. It's like, you know the characters well enough that just seeing them play off of each other as foils or just kind of be natural extensions of uh, who they might be in an unfamiliar situation is... Yep. It's not just like, you know, jokes. It's, uh, it, it's earned. So I, yeah, it's earned. I agree. That yeah, whole they're... rooftop scene is great. I feel like it's brilliant. He, the way he poses, I think like the, the beginning of the scene, uh, you know, he's like, where have you been? And he just puts his chin up and he goes <laughs> away. And it's like, hey, you're overplaying it a little bit, Superman. <laughs> I thought, I, I know. I thought it was so funny. It was like, uh, yeah, I thought I misremembered him having some comment about not being able to see out of the cowl. You know, I, I thought I, as a kid, I thought he said something like that, but I probably picked that up somewhere else. Or I remember when I read a, a, a one of my favorite Superman comics, um, Superman Birthright, written by Mark Wade. There's a moment where Clark Kent, who of course has perfect vision, perfect eyesight, is given those, those, those bottle, Coke bottle glass lens, you know, glasses by his mom. And he puts them on for the first time and he's like, oh, this is a strong prescription. And she goes, you can see through walls, work with me here. And so that became part of his disguise of like, he has to use his abilities to, to be able to see normally through some real Coke bottle lenses, but it's, it, it should be fine for him. I thought I remembered he, him saying something like that. And then Robin would say something like, you have x-ray vision, like just, just deal with it. But I think you're right, Justin, he sticks out his chin to try and be intimidating. And then in that moment, I think he was using his super hearing because he's looking at the file that Gordon hands him and he doesn't know what he's looking at. And then Robin, Tim Drake has to go and like peep it 
And then he goes behind him and whispers, Bane. And he's, ah, yes, Bane. Like, that was so great. Because it's, it's, it's like you said, it's comedy earned from the characters and what they do and their relationships. So it was yeah. hilarious. Yeah. And, and the character acting. I feel like you can tell the way that the, it's boarded and the way it's animated. It's like, this is Superman dressed as Batman. He's bulkier. And the way he, you know, kind of poses and presents himself is much more, uh, you know, proud and yeah. triumphant <laughs> yeah they really pulled it off i'm surprised that from a production standpoint that there wasn't any hiccups in like okay we're sending storyboards overseas are the overseas animators going to be confused by this stuff like you know knowing how these shows are made and a lot of the times they're broken up into different sections and 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 processes as the show's being completed that like oh no it's pretty consistent all the way through and it reads and it works and yeah, it's, it's really impressive, especially considering like, I remember the story, I may have, I don't know if we've ever talked about it, Justin, but like one of the first times they sent some stuff overseas, I'm talking like the, the first run of Batman, the animated series episodes, and then they got the footage back and Batman was flying. And then Bruce, Tim and the team like got on a call with Korea and they were like, hey, we wanted to check, like how come Batman's flying in this shot? And then they would like confer with themselves, the animators, and they came back and they're like, mm, because he has a cape. So there was this very interesting like cultural disconnect with the character of Batman in this one instance years and years ago. And then eventually, especially by the time I think by the time you get to Superman, the animated series, Batman Beyond, and then the new Batman adventures, things were so in terms of animation, like kind of more tightened up and streamlined. Yep. And there were, I felt like more influences of those overseas animation studios. Like you could really see their work getting put in there and, and it almost felt like they were kind of, um, you know, maybe inputting more of their own animation and their own artistry. And like here in the United States, the writers, producers and storyboard artists and everybody working over here were like, Oh, this is awesome. Cool. 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 Keep it coming. Keep it coming. So it, it felt like it was becoming a little bit more, blended that's just my observation though as a as as a fan of these shows so but going back to considering how these cartoons were made like very impressive that it reads all the way through oh yeah yeah well let's go through it i mean we we've kind of jumped around but like uh it kicks off in gotham yep. uh, with roxy rocket in a, in a fun chase who is a character by the way i love was created by paul dini for uh, the animated series, New Batman yep. Adventures. She has yep. an episode. Um, so it's just fun that she got used again. I feel like mm -hmm. she's a character I wish popped up more. I know she showed up, I think in like Justice League action, they did like a oh, like yeah. space cabbie or something. So it's fun that she's like kind of in the, you know, the yeah. you at large now, but uh, I, I kind of wish we got to see her more than just mm -hmm. two eps here. And and the show opens right, and it's and it's Superman's town, and he finds Roxy Rocket, and then she has to reveal to him like, well, Batman's gone, so all you know, so Gotham's a mess. So I thought I'd try my luck here, and it gives you that fun thing that comic book readers get when you're reading a series, and another hero's villain shows up, and your hero has to deal with that villain. It's just a fun little bit of yeah, like, it oh, is cool. in Metropolis. Yeah, <laughs> I never, I never thought I would see, you know, Superman take on this because Superman deals with a lot of great Batman villains in this episode, and that's part of the the fun of it. It's so good, but Roxy's great, yeah. Oh yeah, and and she does feel like the right kind of character who isn't full tilt villain. She just, you know, like her whole deal is she likes the thrill of it. She's doing it for the adrenaline rush. Yep. So she's not like, 
you know, trying to hide the fact that Batman's missing. So, of course, she would admit to Superman. That's a good point. That's what's going on. That's a good point. Uh, So far, Bob Goodman, writer of the episode, (laughs) checkmark. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He is one of my fave writers on the show. He's Uh, an awesome writer. And Superman's almost kind of a jerk in this moment because he says to Roxy, sorry, little girl, you're going home. And it's like, oh, man, that's kind of got some bite to it, Superman. Wow. Yeah. And (laughs) I mean, the episode starts with her saying, what a body. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Her character is definitely tilted towards the upper echelon or upper edge of PG. <laughs> yep. That's very true. Very true. Yeah. Uh, so then we get to Robin, Tim Drake, you know, fighting some thugs alone mm-hmm. in a store full of mannequins because, you know, Gotham is full of mannequins no matter where you go. <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, that was fun having him say, just like just some great classic quips, right? Because it was like, uh, you know, where's the bat? How about the relief pitcher? He says something like that, you know, uh-huh. Tim Drake. And, and, and also, when you look at the bigger picture of the DC animated universe, Tim Drake turns into a bit of a tragic figure. Oh, my so God. So it's, right? I don't want to get too much into it because it's so sad. But to see, that just adds a bittersweet quality. To see Robin in his prime because he's maybe 13, 14, 15 years old, something like that at this point. And he is, he's been Robin for, I don't know, a couple months, a year, a couple years, whatever. But like, this is him at his prime. And by the end of the episode, to jump to the very end, Superman gives him such an amazing compliment. He says, I have to say, for a guy who's supposed to be such a loner, he says to Batman, you sure know how to pick a partner. And Robin's just like beaming. And it's so sad because it's like, man, Superman, the greatest superhero of this world just gave a compliment to this kid who we know is kind of like a Jason Todd, Tim Drake amalgamation yep. character. He started from the streets. His dad was a goon for Two-Face. And then now he's Robin and Superman complimented him. And then later, some really bad stuff happens with the Joker. It's so sad. It's so sad. So it's deeply sad. It's hard not to think about that every time you see this character once you totally. see Return of the Joker. Totally, yeah. Like, well, we know where this kid ends up, and he's completely destroyed. Hector is Absolutely. holding up his DC collectibles or DC Direct now <laughs> animated Tim Drake figure. Oh. Got them all behind you. Uh, <laughs> I wish people could see, but guess what? This ain't video. <laughs> <laughs> I know, so sad. So, but no, that's uh, that's why that's another reason I love this episode too. Because I love me Dick Grayson Robin, and I love Dick Grayson Nightwing, but I just feel like. I just feel so bad for, for Tim, man. I feel so bad for him in this world, right? That like, it's fun to be able ah. to look at an episode and he's awesome. Yeah, he's a, he's, he's a dude who consistently gets re-traumatized uh, throughout every <laughs> stage of his life and what a bummer. But, yeah. and well, what I also like about the end of the episode, I mean, I know we were going through it in order, but before I forget, this is a Superman episode. And so right. it ends on a bright note. I feel like every Batman or a lot of Batman episodes end and it's like, at best, they're like, well, the world sucks, but yeah. did the best we could. And it's like, you know, the sun is rising and like they're just kind of making do with what they have. But because it's a Superman episode, it's like, hey, you know, for a loner, <laughs> you, you sure know how to pick a pretty good partner. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's the tone of this show, even though we've mostly seen it set in Gotham. Totally, totally. Yeah. So then going back to when Superman shows up to see Tim and like you said, this almost feels like it could be a two parter, but because they've only got the 22 minutes. Superman cuts right to the chase in this awesome moment where he's like, where's Batman? Oh, oh, don't worry about it. Let's try this another way. Where's Bruce? And then it's serious. And then it's real, you know? Love it. I love that. And also, yeah, I guess this is the first time that Superman has met Tim Drake in this DC animated universe, which is fun. 
uh, totally. it's post world's finest, but uh, you know, I think this is this was probably airing as Batman Superman Adventures at this point. I think so. I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the other the other fun thing is when we get to Robin and taking Superman back to the Batcave right after this moment, like the in universe explanation for why we're not seeing anybody else is perfect because Superman goes, "Where's Batgirl? Where's Nightwing?" And Robin's like, "Oh, they traced the call to Romania." You know, so they're they're gonna just go to fight some guy, ghoul something. And as a fan, you're like, oh my god, they're trying to track down Rachel Ghoul in a storyline that has nothing to do with him. That's amazing. I want to see Dick Grayson and Babs like in the Middle East. What is happening in Eastern Europe? Yeah, I would love to see that so much. Well, and it tracks too, because it's like, yeah, who's the person that you would probably seek out? He's the one who knows who Bruce is. Uh, he's yep. done this kind of shit before. So sure, Rachel Ghoul might be behind. It's not a bad <laughs> guess, Nightwing. Not a bad <laughs> guess, Batgirl. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was great. Um, and so we get, yeah, we get them hanging out in the Batcave. Uh, and, and, you know, Robin, I think, is told by Bruce that he's, what does he say, that he's like, going out of town or he's yeah it's like i'm on vacation and then i think they play back the 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 message to lucius fox or whatever and and he's like see he's smiling that's not batman that's not bruce wayne and that that's hilarious it's so true yeah uh so then we have that gordon scene they they go you know they're like ah turn off the bat signal he's not coming and then you know just at the last minute superman as batman kind of makes his entrance with robin and we have all those fun bits all those jokes i feel like this is where the comedy is played best there's a lot of really good stuff but just this scene alone i feel like is the heart of the episode totally agree it sums it all up it's all fan service in the best way it's so effing funny and yet it is uh yeah it's like it's serious because gordon's bringing up bane and you're like man superman has to deal with bane now like we we got to get bruce back in the cowl where is he so it's just it's just adding to the drama of the episode but so funny the writing is so smart so sharp so quick i love it yeah and i forget if this is when they start to investigate if they go to the iceberg lounge or if this is i don't i don't remember the exact order but i know that they you know interrogate the penguin at one point yes i think they do because in my notes and i was doing it in order it's like that's after we're after this moment after they leave the rooftop i don't know if they go back to the back cave or if they go to a i think they might go to investigate the bane situation right because we learned that some of these characters are kind of teaming up Uh maybe they stop over at the iceberg lounge but there is the bit about robin asking superman how are you able to mimic his voice like that and then sneaking around is it my style and then we get to another favorite moment where it's something i don't think i would have picked up on as much as a kid when i first watched this but they're interrogating penguin and bat you know batman or superman as batman is asking him for his help and Oswald Cobblepot's like, why would I help you? There's no point to me helping you. (laughs) And Superman says, a man's life is in danger. Isn't that enough? And that's just the beauty of Superman is that he truly thinks that he can go to a person. Yes. No matter their position, no matter their, their, their influence, their money, their, their whatever, and be like, Hey, somebody's life is in danger. Can you help? Will you help us out? And you will, because that's because people are good. And that's the opposite of how Batman works because Batman thinks people are mostly bad, you yeah. know? And in that moment, Robin, who I think is a great bridge between the two being this young kid, it tells him kick over the desk. Yeah. And he's like, what? Just do it. And then he does. And it's the strongest 
that Batman has ever kicked over a desk, right? It's the most, it's the scariest, like it slams and crashes on the wall and breaks and oh my God. And then, you know, Superman understands what Robin told him, grabs Penguin and, and after he gets him info, he's like, where? And then Robin's like, now he's getting it. Like that whole exchange is also great because it's showing what both of them, how they are as characters. Yeah, what their philosophies know? are. Yeah, I mean, yes, that's truly Superman the Animated Series is what introduced me to, I think, loving the character. I, I loved the 78 film. I watched it with my uncle. He grew yeah. up on that. And sure. So I, I did watch like the Donner movie. I, I, I love that. Uh, and, you know, I think I saw like Super Friends reruns or stuff like sure. that as a kid. But yeah. This really, I, I always thought Batman was cool and Superman was whatever. Uh, right. And I feel like this show kind of showed me the purpose of the character uh, right. and really like opened me up to the kind of stories you can tell. Because I feel like, you know, the, the very broad criticism of Superman is that he's kind of like a boring goody two shoes who can do right. anything. And that the idea that like hope is cheesy, that like being kind is, is, you know, not interesting. And it's like, no, I think that's what the value of this character is. And it's a bummer yes. that we don't fully see that in, in a lot of the, uh, at least cinematic stuff these days. But I do sure. think that's what I love about Superman is that he is pure optimism, uh, but he's not an idiot. And I, I think a lot of times people mistake being optimistic for being dumb. Sure. Yeah. They, 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 I think they treat the character like Forrest Gump, which is really unfortunate. You know, somebody who's a character who's very naive and very simple minded. Yes. And they, they equate that to not being intelligent, like you said, and I'll go one step further. And I totally agree with what you're saying, Justin, and I'll go one step further. I feel like the other purpose of Superman stories because that's the thing. It's like Batman has always been cool and he will always be cool. And in a lot of ways, Batman operates in our world because our world is a cynical one. And he is not going against the grain. He's going with the flow. He looks at his city and he goes, okay, if this is where we're at, I'm going to work at your level. And I'm going to work outside of the corruption of police. And I'm going to scare the shit out of villains because villains scare the shit out of us. So fine. If this is how the world is, I'm going to work with it, not against it. Superman, I think, is a character who, either because of the influence of his alien culture, his home culture as this immigrant status, looks at the world as it is now and goes, I know we can be better. I know we can be better. And that's yes. a Star Trek message. It's very hopeful. It's very forward thinking. And I'll go a step further and say, but like you said, I totally agree. It's like I always appreciated Superman, but I think that Superman the Animated Series does this brilliant thing from the beginning where it let me understand that the character is actually Clark. That's the character. And that's a really uh -huh. interesting and revolutionary idea that I think started in like the 80s comics up to now. You know, before then it was Superman is the guy and Clark Kent is the mild right, man. He's hiding disguise. behind this. Disguise. He's hiding. Yeah. It's what Bill says at the end of Kill Bill Volume 2. Like when Bill said it at the time, based off of Bill's lifetime, uh, David Carradine's character, he's right. That was supposed to be a critique of humanity you know superman being like i'm gonna be so mild-mannered that nobody will think that clark kent my disguise is me superman but i think the idea has morphed into from the 80s to now this idea that the real character is the guy who was raised in kansas it's clark he's just us he's just a regular american guy and the kal-el side is like well he tries to connect to his heritage but sometimes he can't because he wasn't raised on Krypton. And yeah. Superman is the disguise and excuse for him to just be out in the world and, and help people. So Superman, the animated series from the beginning has an episode where you get to know Clark 
first of all, the first parter is all set on Krypton and it's all Jor-El. And that was Oh fun. yeah, that three-parter is incredible. So good. So good. Part two, we're in Smallville and Clark realizes he is an alien and he is so distraught and he freaks out, but then he realizes he can fly and it's kind of amazing. And when he gets to Metropolis and first saves a plane, he messes up and the plane gets out of his grip. And the moment that made me really fall in love with Superman as a character is when he says to himself, floating in the air in the skyscrapers of Metropolis, he goes, nice one, Clark. And then he goes after the plane. And I'm like, that's the guy. He is not this untouchable, as much as I love Christopher Reeve, Superman, that is a character who is very, um, he can be very kind of like perfect and that everything he says is always perfect. And he's just so charming and, and, and Superman is that, but he is also, I think, somebody who is, like I said, a regular guy capable of messing up, capable of making mistakes and being self-deprecating and being sarcastic and funny and all that other stuff. So um, I'll, I'll go back to my original point. Going one step further, I think that sometimes we get that in modern Superman stories, especially if we're talking about the more recent live action Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. The problem, I think, is that the purpose of a Superman story is that we have a character, he's introduced to the world, the world may be cynical at first, but yes. Superman as a character changes the world around him the same way Batman does. Listen, crime drops in Gotham, right? Crime drops when he appears. People either think he's an urban myth or not. Eventually, Batman joins the Justice League, and the world knows that Batman is a real superhero character. He's inspirational. Kids know about him. You know, kids at school won't believe me. He, Batman throws binoculars. Like, that's, he's, he's trying to spread this propaganda to change his city and then the world. And Superman works the same way. Superman is such a good dude. He shows up on the scene. Yes, people are distrustful. Yes, Lex Luthor pounces on that because that's what he would do. But because and in spite of that and because superman is such a good dude the world and at first metropolis but then the world around him goes no we love superman yeah we know he's from another planet he told us in a, in a you know news article from lois lane yeah we know we love him he saved my cousin he saved the city he saved us from this asteroid he he, he saves people he cares about people and i think that that's the side that we were missing from some of those recent films is to see the character change the, it, it, again going to like captain america the way that the avengers movies treated the relationship between the avengers and the public at large at first it was like mm -hmm. these guys are freaks and what are they doing here but then they like fought aliens and then the world around them was like i trimmed my beard like tony stark and everybody was like on board and even with a corny character like captain america like people were fans of him within the world little kids would look up to him and that world was better for the involvement of some of those superhero characters. And the same happens with Superman. So I know some folks might be listening now and they go, well, I like that it's a cynical, realistic take on how we would treat Superman. And I get that. And others would say, well, we needed a couple movies to get there. And I think that's where I kind of feel differently. I feel like I think you can achieve all that in one epic story. I think you can, you definitely achieve it in a, in an animated series like this, you know, and, and you can see some of those effects of how Superman changes his world over the course of a couple of seasons and then into justice league. But yeah, that's the, that's the beauty of Superman, the really beautiful and hopeful thing. And Batman is very similar, but like I said, he goes with the grain. He goes with the world that he lives in. And that's so valuable too. That's so important to have in stories too, is, is, is somebody taking tragedy and being like, okay, fine, I'll play your game. 
and he does. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we need both. And I, and I think that's, yeah. uh, th that's the point is like, you, you do want to understand that like, unfortunately try as you might, some people might not be able to be changed, uh, you know, uh, but I think you need to at least try and we need to like have empathy. And, and I think Superman kind of being a beacon of this earnest empathy is, is exactly what we need. And also, you know, yeah, you, you called him an immigrant. He is an immigrant. Uh, like yep. one of our greatest heroes is an immigrant created <laughs> by people who, you know, came from a family of immigrants. I don't know if you read, um, I just finished last night, Superman smashes the clan. Oh my uh, gosh. I read the first two. I haven't read the third one yet. It is incredible. Amazing. Amazing. It's it. And it wraps up really well. And at least I, I was reading the Ugh. trade uh, and it, it's on Hoopla, which is like a free library app where you can yeah. borrow things. So if people want to check it out for free, it's there. But there's, you know, like an essay and it's kind of a historical context of both history of racism in the United States, as yep. well as uh, history of Superman. And it really beautifully ties things together with the uh, writer's personal experience. Um, and it. it's such a pure, good Superman story like yep. what we were talking about. It has that kind of brightness, but also it is about him fighting, you know, a stand-in for the KKK, which originated, I guess, on the radio show. Yes, uh, like that's true. The, the Clan of the Fiery Cross is, you know, I think what, what they call it in the uh, comic. And I was like, oh, oh, this is all rooted in essentially Superman history as well. So yeah. I can't recommend it more, you know, if people are listening and want to check it out, I feel like I it's it. exactly this interpretation. And it also speaks to what's going on, you know, thematically <laughs> in our country yes. right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it always baffles me when uh, people forget that Superman himself is uh, an immigrant. And yeah. it's, it's a, an immigrant story. And, and that's the other beautiful thing about Superman is that, again, people who kind of take a cursory glance at the character and go, well, he's too powerful. It's not interesting that, you know, he's, he's too physically powerful. He's too perfect. That's the, the tragic thing about Superman in the same way that Batman is clearly a tragic character. He fights a never ending war on crime. Superman is tragic because he is the most powerful being on the planet. He's the most powerful being on the planet. And yet what is he fighting? Injustice, corruption, racism. Yes. These things that it's like, even if you're physically powerful, like he's the underdog, you know, and it's, and it's so good when you get to, experience a Superman story where he like wins in the end because you're like, yeah, man, like stick it to the man, stick it to the, the, the system of power, stick it to whatever. Like, I'm sure that that happens in uh, Superman versus the clan. I'm, I'm sure it happens. Oh, it, I know it happens at the end of this particular episode because Brainiac shows up, right? They go to, they, they, they bring it back. They Robin and Superman as Batman go to, like Wayne airport or whatever that was thought to have been shut down. They go, they're investigating. There's a beautiful like focus racking shot. Did you catch that? When, when Bruce Wayne walks out of the office and like into the, onto the floor and they're in the hall and it kind of focuses to Robin and Superman and everything in the background becomes blurry. Yeah. yeah. So good. And which Robin's is like, you have to, to intentionally do that in animation. Yes. Like, you know, I think we're so used to that kind of camera move in live action because it's yep. like, that is something that physically has to happen or that you can make happen. Yeah. Uh, but to do it in animation is far more deliberate. Uh, very and deliberate. To make it seamless is yeah. It, it felt very grounded. I liked it a lot. It's super cool. So then Brainiac shows up, you know, Batman and Robin reveal themselves and that moment where Brainiac blasts him. And then like his stuff gets torn away. It's such a good moment because Superman stands up and Brainiac says, 
Kal-El. This development was highly improbable. It's the <laughs> best, like you outsmarted the smartest supercomputer brainiac, you know, with, with this great uh, disguise. And uh, it just feels like that moment of Superman one-upping a bully, one-upping somebody who's trying to, 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 to do a bad thing. And um, yeah, so that's, that's the best thing about a great Superman story. And we get a little piece of it here too, even at the end of this, which is great. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about Brainiac for a second. Cause the fact, well, when I first saw this episode, whenever it originally aired, I think like 1998 or something. Yeah. I remember being like, okay, who is the bad guy here? And you know, you saw those nanobots or nanites and it was like, is this like, are those like, you know, Hardak and those like, you know, robots back? Like, yeah. Is it the Mad Hatter? And then, you know, yeah. you that train of thought and we see the Mad Hatter and he's like, no, it could be alien in origin. And, yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, he makes that little hand gesture. That's like, I think such a perfect character pose. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Uh, but uh, Brainiac is such a, a perfect He's such a perfect villain. Uh, you know, he doesn't really have much to do here other than kind of be this, the bad guy at the end of the episode. Yep. Yep. Uh, but, you know, we talked a little bit about Last Son of Krypton, uh, that three-parter that kicks off Superman. And yeah. I believe that, I mean, that also solidified Brainiac as a villain in a much different way. Love it. Gave more depth to the character than any of the comics previously had. Like, he, he always, you know, w w was doing some shitty things to uh, other planets, you know, bottling yeah. them and whatnot. Uh, but I feel like building him into the Kryptonian downfall is it yes. makes it such a deeply personal and more emotionally resonant character. Yes. And I think like, you know, all the Batman villains that were given these like kind of revised and, and deeper, you know, backstories. I feel like yeah. you guys did the same thing for Superman characters, starting with Brainiac. And I feel like he's such a satisfying villain to see show up even through you know justice league and justice league unlimited in totally in very in huge ways uh that that it was so fun just to see him pop up here it's like yeah he's he's one of superman's big bads in the animated series yeah i love how you brought that up because yes i think that so many people of our generation and beyond have looked at how batman the animated series depicted mr freeze and been like, cool, that's my canon now, forever. Like, yep. that's, that's who Mr. Freeze is. Or their take on Clayface. And now we're like, yep, got it, Clayface, washed up actor, cool. And we've taken all of those depictions of the great Batman villains and have made them like, the like that, that's it. You're totally right. Superman the Animated Series did the same thing. To me, Bizarro is the Bizarro from that show. This mm. great messed up clone of Super, you know, like, you know, the Mr. McZipsy Spitlick, voiced by Gilbert Godfrey. That's my Mixie. I can't read a comic with Mixie in it without hearing Gilbert, you know, yeah. uh, scream scream the lines that he had. McGurk! Um, <laughs> so good. McGurk! Uh, but, uh, but Brainiac is a, is a prime example of, of adding that depth. And there, listen, there are many, many things I love about the movie Man of Steel. And when it was announced, I remember being like, oh, man, I would love it if they used the villain who we've never seen before, Brainiac, Yep, and used him in the way that basically General Zod was used. And I love General Zod, but I felt like that was a real like movie decision that they looked at like the Superman movies and went, oh, well, let's bring back Zod as opposed to like, no, 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 look, look beyond that. Let's see what else we got. Because so much of what General Zod, Michael Shannon did in that, like I would have loved to have seen a Brainiac character do that because then we would have gotten a new Superman villain that nobody had seen, you know, and, and, and could have been similar in a lot of ways. But yeah, I, I love that. And the other cool thing too is like rewatching this, 
I have been reading the new Batman comics that they've been putting out. Have you seen Likewise, those? Likewise, yes, have and you? Brainiac does so good. show up in like I think the first or the, second issue. The the first sort of story arc deals with a, a like a recovered Brainiac head, and I think if we're going off of the timeline as best we can, these those comics takes place after this episode because Brainiac explodes in the atmosphere at the end. And I think Superman flies down. And at some point, I believe Superman goes to recover the, the remains. And that's how Wayne Tech, Wayne Industries, gets the, the remnants of Brainiac, I think. And again, those comics are great. It's early stages of, uh, I think it takes place before Justice League, possibly. Maybe a little after, I don't know. But later, like you were saying, Justin, in Justice League Unlimited, to see Brainiac and Lex Luthor team up, they get into some weird, crazy... Well, it's, it's the whole epic. end of the Cadmus arc is so good. It's a huge reveal that was so satisfying because I mean, it's a whole nother podcast, but I feel like <laughs> Luthor is almost like this. You could, you could make an argument and write an essay that he is the star of the DC animated universe. Like he yeah. is the one who has the most change. He starts yeah. one, as a very selfish character and basically kind of, we see him sort of come full circle and change so many different ways. Uh, again, mm-hmm. again, access to power, reckon with his mortality, become a God, you know, give things up and save the planet. You know, like Lex Luthor is yeah. probably the most emotionally deep character <laughs> in the DC animated universe. Uh, you know, and yeah. that's so surprising. And the fact that Brainiac's part of that, and we have that two-parter with Darkseid earlier where I, I just love, I love how much they use him. And to your point, like, the way continuity is seeded, like even in this episode, they reference, I think, Brainiac being, you know, I think the last time he showed up was, you know, in in Luthor, he was rebuilding himself. And then in World's Finest, yeah. Wayne, Wayne Tech and Luthor, you know, LexCorp are like kind of teaming up in the beginning of that. So the fact that it's like, yeah, we could track Brainiac implanting himself and traveling right. from one company to another that it's like right we don't need that continuity it doesn't matter it doesn't hurt your enjoyment of the episode if you don't know it but it's like oh this is this is a treat yeah absolute treat this whole episode is a treat um i, I think that's all i had to say on it i think I, I i think it's one of my favorites and getting to talk about it with you and getting to talk about like why Batman matters, why Superman matters. It's my favorite thing. It's my absolute favorite thing. So uh, yeah, so thank you again for asking me to come on and- Oh man, it's so easy to talk up. to you about this stuff. You're so, it it's really so fun to is. hear you talk. <laughs> Likewise, <laughs> and talk with it really you. is. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that that big fight with the Riddler and Mad Hatter and Bane. Yes, and Bane. Just a treat to see Bane pumped up with as much venom as possible and just get- knocked out immediately and the surprise on his face is so fun (laughs) it's so great it's so great because normally normally i'm not a fan of you know again talking about the comic books if things get a little too zany and too far removed from the original idea i it's not my favorite i'll give you an example when batman died in dc comics it was like how was he killed oh he was hit with the omega beams from dark side and then his consciousness traveled through time and had to come back it gets very zany and it's like i can't explain that to folks who don't read comics you know but um i i love this moment still because this is pure fan service it's 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 something where i'm like oh if i had to tell somebody yeah bane was finally defeated oh did batman like train nope batman wasn't there it was superman he just showed up <laughs> he, he kicked off out. that they knocked him out that huge you know statue they they threw it on uh, on on batman who's actually superman crushed and he, by an easter island head <laughs> yeah, i know and then he pushed it up and they're all like that's impossible it was just delightful it so was satisfying amazing. yeah uh, and you know the only riddler we got in the new batman adventures what a shame 
Is that true? Yeah, it's a bummer. We got, you know, three episodes in the original animated series, and then they got John Glover. Hector's now holding up the Riddler, which I like yep. this figure and design quite yeah. a bit. Uh, it's more old school, kind of like Adam Westy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like just the jumpsuit with the bowler. But uh, mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's yeah, such we, a bummer we, we didn't get another Riddler episode with John Glover, too, because he's, uh, I love his vocal performance. He's amazing. Yeah, I'm not going to remember. I think the last time we saw him was in the last episode of Batman, the new Batman Adventures, where it's the one with the judge. And I think Batman's being yes, sued. Yes, you're correct. He, he, right? He's on the couch with Mad Hatter. And there's and, and then they cut to like that Johnny Cochran joke. Or no, I'm thinking of Over the Edge is what it was. Uh-huh. I think is what it is. Over the Edge in the dream sequence where Batman is being sued because it's Bruce Wayne. So now all the villains are coming out of the woodwork. And they're like, we're going to get this billionaire for all, of his, all that he's worth. And and yeah. Riddler's like yeah, because because they're like he he caused this trauma yeah, yeah. If the yeah. bat's and on we, a spree, he must pay the fee. That was the Johnny Cochran really dated reference they put in there. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's it's. I feel like that and like I mean, Freakazoid had like a Judge Ito joke in there. Oh I remember, like, you know, it was just everywhere. And as a kid, I was like aware, mm -hmm. more aware of of what was going on with O.J. Simpson than than I I probably. Should have I'm been. Surprised. Should have been. I guess it was. It was insane. But yep. anyway, nothing's uh, changed. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for doing the show. Um, of course. And I know that you know this is a fundraiser, and so I wanted to check in with you because I you, you brought a charity to my attention, an organization called Until We Are Free. Yeah. Um, that you know I'm going to be matching donations for uh, up to a certain amount. And, you know, I hope people will donate too. And so I just wanted to know if you could share a little bit about it. Yeah, this is a wonderful organization I found out about. It's called Until We Are All Free. Oh, sorry. And it's, it, it, it's fine. It's, it's called Until We Are All Free. And it's a racial justice initiative rooted in arts and culture. Uh, I'm going to read a little thing off of their website. I think it's, it wonderfully sums it up. Together, Black, migrant, refugee, undocumented, indigenous, queer, and transgender communities are building solidarity by tapping into the power of art and culture to envision and to build a world defined by dignity and self-determination for all of us. Until We Are All Free disrupts the criminal law and immigration systems that overwhelmingly treat our people as criminals, lock us away, and deport us. It's a really cool organization. It is an, an unprecedented initiative of an organization called Culture Strike and one called Mobilize the Immigrant Vote. And they're in partnership with Black Alliance for Just Immigration. So there's a lot of intersectionality happening and there's this great declaration of unity. You can go to their website and get like workbooks about um, you know, how you can help and, and uh, uh, things about the multicultural, multilingual movement. Um, you know, they've got all art and culture resources and they just have this whole thing about when art and culture are used to try and uplift people, it can have lasting changes and effects and, you know, sharing art and stories about experiences of migration and racism in these new ways can shift those narratives in the wider public. So that's what I'm all about because I love creativity. I love art, you know, um, yeah, so, so check them out. You can download. They have toolkits on racial justice, art, and story lessons. And, and they, it's a really, really cool organization. So uh, highly recommended. And, and thanks for letting me get to talk about it.
Oh, man. Thank you for sharing them. Uh, I'm excited to look into them further until we are all free. uh, And I'll have the info in the show notes and on Twitter and Instagram and all that. So people will be able to find them. Um, Thank you so much, man. This was a real treat. If the show ever comes back for more than this amount of episodes, uh, then you are always welcome. I'm Uh, there. Clearly, we can talk forever about this kind of stuff anyhow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you again, Justin. This is awesome. I'm so happy that you're, uh, you're coming back and doing it for a worthy cause. And I, like I needed an excuse to rewatch a classic episode of Superman, the animated series and chat with a buddy about it. But thank you again. It was awesome. And that was Hector Navarro. Follow him at Hector is funny on Twitter. And also read Superman smashes the clan. Uh, he and I have nothing to do with it. But boy, oh boy, is it great check it out it's perfect now if you like the show rate and subscribe on apple and follow us at btas podcast and me at hey justin i will keep having updates about the fundraiser over there and you can donate to until we are all free and or any of the organizations in the fundraiser right now donations are tripled if you go to btaspodcast.com slash donate and even if you can't please share this with somebody who might be able to i think it would be great if we can hit the maximum for every one of these organizations batman the animated podcast is hosted edited and produced by me justin michael tom smith created the show logo and casey trela helped produce the theme song harry chaskin is the booming voice of the podcast thank you again to hector you're always welcome on the show buddy finally tori malatia this american life producer uh you know i think you may have finally gone off the deep end when you claimed that this podcast is far more advanced than anything i've ever seen i dare say it may even be of alien origin love you tori i I really hope you're holding up all right and with that the episode shall end donate at btaspodcast.com slash donate stay indoors and for the love of god wear a mask outside Just because you can do something, like not wearing a mask, doesn't mean you should do something, like not wear a mask. Okay, bye-bye.